What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a somber episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah's not a huge intro, as we know. We like to, or we just don't know what this feeling is like. Five-game winning streak, that was snapped on Saturday in Vermilion, South Dakota. Noah, we talked about perhaps running the table up until important games down the stretch and before our bye, but that did not happen. What's going on? Yeah, it's a really five-game win streak. Be able to go on here and be pretty positive, but um, but as a Saluki fan, I mean, we hoped we didn't have this game, but we felt like at some point wins this letdown game, and really the first half, we didn't feel like that way. Felt pretty confident being up 21-10 at halftime, but uh, second down was second half was just the letdown game the, or the letdown half we we've been waiting on for the defense to fall off and really we've been waiting on this didn't think it happened this week um, possibly maybe down the road somewhere one of those last two games of the year but um, happens on the road to a team that hadn't had much success but had played a really tough schedule up to now. It's exactly what we said. I remember saying in the game day tweets that they're battle-tested. They've had the toughest schedule in the FCS. We did talk about it, and they're prepared for any moment. And we knew we knew their personnel, even though we didn't know the guy that came in three-fourths of the game, backup quarterback, to come in and just light the world on fire. I mean, a lot of what he did was hand the ball off, but <clears throat> he made some key throws. And we'll get into some of Nick's Monday presser and I guess some things after the game saying that they didn't really – obviously prepare for the backup quarterback to come in. So it's like they don't know what to do. You know, he was a lefty and everything, but that's still obviously no excuse. So, yeah, we'll dive into the game quickly, maybe some takeaways, some quotes. Nick Hill said after the game, some updated all-time stats player-wise and team-wise. It is ironic. Like you said, the defense was bound. You know, we know we have the personnel on defense that it's just bound to turn – upside down at any point and the fact that we saw the all-time stats of how we were against the run before this game and now we're not at the top anymore we'll get to that around the FCS there's a new bracketology we talked about we didn't want to talk about Sam Herter anymore but it is content and there's a notable matchup on there and some other things conference standings commits NFL Salukis one had another big day and then we'll sneak peek the Panthers at the very end um so, you know, let's dive into this game. You mentioned it. The second half was atrocious, but the first half was incredible, honestly. Uh, you know, we got the ball first. They negated the uh, the coin toss to us. No, it didn't take long for us to get on the board, and it was, it was a nice five-and-a-half-minute drive. Javon got on the board. I remember saying it was his 40th of his career, but apparently he ends up with 42 on the year. And – it was a great start. They punted, and then Noah, our second possession, and I was watching. We were both watching it, streaming it, and mine was messing up a lot before I had to change locations of how I was streaming. And I didn't see this one play, Noah, when Bryce Miller fumbled. I'll let you dive into that, the unfortunateness of it, because then it put them in prime position to tie the game early. Yeah, it's it's really didn't expect uh, the sure-handed Bryce Miller to able to – have a turnover like that and uh it just it was one of those plays where third and four 
a bubble screen out to Bryce. He's going to pick up the first down, but um, Cameron Tisdale was able to get in there, and Bryce had it um, in his right arm, and he just ripped it out. Um, Brock Mogensen picked it up, was able to turn it, re- able to uh, return it for 37 yards. Uh, Deontay uh, hustled down, got the tackle, uh, saved a touchdown, but they ended up scoring anyhow. So um, good hustle play by Dante, but yeah, really, really, we could have went down there and put up fourteen nothing just really quick. Like um, we were moving the ball pretty good, um, but yeah, not really expecting Bryce to be able to fumble like that or easily let a guy just strip it out of his hands. But um, usually, when you're a ball carrier, you have it. He was going up the sideline, and he would have it in your left hand because defense coming from, but he had it in his right hand, and guy just stripped it out with ease. Yeah, it's strange. You know, it is one of those weird plays that could happen. We know he's sure-handed that you're right with that brace on his arm. It's like, how do you hold it in certain situations? You never know when they're ball hawking, you know, the ball carrier on something like that where you know and he's looking for blocks and it just – that just is what it is. Because, I, like I said, I wasn't able to watch at the time because I knew they punted and I guess I missed a total of like seven plays up until the point where it happened. It took three minutes off. Next thing I know, they had the ball in our ter- deep in our territory. And I'm like, what the heck happened? And then, yeah, it only took Travis Tice a couple plays to get in to tie the game. But it didn't take long for us to match. I remember tweeting that. And, Noah, this was a, a drive led by Romero. He had about, if my math's correct, about 47 yards in the span of two plays, 39 with a long run. Sean Lester got in this game. We mentioned how Justin Strong's going to miss about two or three weeks. I was counting this game, so we'll see him. He probably won't be there for North Dakota State, unfortunately. We're hoping maybe after the bye. I guess it's a wait and see. But So those two led the way. Uh, and then Nick found Avante for 16 yards to equal the, or to give us the 14-7 lead. And then, no, again, you know, we get – you know, there, we got three and out to start the game, and then this one took four plays for them to give it right back to us before the end of the quarter. And then we gave it right back. Four minutes, nine plays just to punt it right back. And, no, I don't think I saw this one in the moment either. Torney punted it away. We'll get to some things that Nick said about special teams and his opinion of it so far. I think he was asked about that from Mike Reese, and they were just discussing it. Torney had a 42-yarder. His net wasn't great in this game. Was This this was one that was pretty pressurized as well. He had to force it out last second. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was pressure off the edge, and uh, he took a sweet time kicking it. Um wasn't a great kick. Um, I think he only had like a long of 45 in this game. Um, in a dome like that, you should, should be able to boot it away. I think the only one he really booted away ended up being a touchback. Wasn't able to be able to keep it inside. Um, but, yeah, pressurized. Uh, just got to be better. Special teams has not been good all year long. Um, and it wasn't great in this game either. No, we punted three times in the second half. I only say that now because thinking about there was a play in this game just in terms of you mentioned he takes his time. There was a high snap on him at one point in this game. It was in the second half. I guess could have waited for it, but he, you know, he caught it high and then he started to run. He tried to just get some get some separation and some room. It looked like he could have ran for the first down. Honestly, I think it was like fourth and ten. I think we got back to the line of scrimmage the the play prior. Had 10 yards to go. It looked like he could have ran for a first. Yeah, I think he got tackled right after he got it off, so maybe he couldn't have outran him. If he was, you know, 
totally hell bent on doing it right away. Maybe he could have got it, but yeah, some more struggles for Torney. And then, Noah, the next play after that punt that we talked about initially, we got them to fumble, and we talked about how we haven't been. We've had a, some takeaways in this season, I guess, a lot if you say, and we've you know we've gotten some fumbles along the way. Uh, Carson Camp, who we mentioned, came out of the game. He fumbled on this, and Cam Bowdry picked it up, gave us great field position because then we went down. Noah took six, about five and a half minutes off the clock, eleven plays, and uh, Bryce got in the end zone for this one. Um, and I think there was some, there, there was a personal foul penalty by Bo. I remember we talked about those kind of just a football play run down that drive a little bit and what led to the end of the half when it looked like we were just taking more control. Yeah, just really good drive. Uh, good, good to see Bryce bounce back after that fumble. Um, finding the end zone right there for nine yards. Um, being able to sustain a drive, make it 11 plays, take about six minutes off the clock. Um, but then, um, they got the ball and Thice really got going 15 yards and started off the drive rushing right up the middle. They started to gash us, um, towards the end of the half and all second half Thice really, really got going, had 15 yard right there, nine yarder right there. Um, able to get some pressure on Bowman, but, um, we took a timeout with 56 seconds left. And uh, their kicker, uh, who was a uh, special teams player of the week a couple year or a couple weeks ago, um, hit a, a season long forty six yard field goal um, going into the half uh, to make it twenty one to ten. Yeah, and I guess we forgot to mention right off the bat, we knew it was kind of a kicking carousel to start this week, and Jake Bumgar got the call right away. So we know it's he got pulled last game. And, you know, they're and Nick kind of mentioned and we talked about how it's not great to have. What was the quote that you said? If you what was the quote that you told me that is perfectly said in terms of if you don't I don't I don't remember exactly what you said. I want to put words in your mouth. What was the quote that you said? If you don't want like a uh, usually you know, usually a, it's with quarterbacks and people when you have two quarterbacks, that means you don't have one quarterback. So it's never a good thing. So uh, it was weird because in his presser on Monday. Last Monday, Nick said Thomas going to get his opportunities, and here we are expecting him to kick the field goals and kick the extra points. And it's Jake who he was perfect in this game, so um, the confidence is there. Giving the guess, showing the confidence in Jake, knowing he can fix the things um, that was going wrong, and he fixed them. Yeah, and he had the only points in the second half, but we also thought you mentioned their kicker who we recall, you know, I think over the broadcast said he was four for eight on the season. And you said that he was, I think, because you were talking about him in the preview. So it was like, yeah, they have a good one. Then when I saw that stat, I'm like, I cannot believe he's only made 50% of his kicks and he's been perfect from extra point. He does have a huge leg. You meant, yeah, he's had touchback city on us off kickoffs and stuff. Just crazy because it seems like, I guess, a lot of those makes came in, you know, domes and, I don't recall, obviously, if they play like North Dakota yet or some games they've had home games, you know, a lot of those makes probably inside. And that's where we thought Tony and Jake, just our kickers in general, specialists, were able to get some nice, you know, leg in a lot of them. You know, Nico would thrive in domes and he did his whole career. But yeah, their kicker four for eight and then had huge kicks in this one. That kind of put air out of our sails. That one going into half, knowing that. You know, it could have been a lot more than what we had. And we'll get to stats here, what they were. We didn't post the uh, end-of-game stats because 
a lot of frustration and a lot of uh, just, uh, you know, not a whole lot to talk about when you, when you, when you lose the way that you do, it wasn't a whole lot. So, I mean, we talked about, it seems like a borderline perfect first half. I mean, Nick completed 21 of 27. He was on pace easily. Seemed like he was close regardless of, uh, you know, of breaking that record that he did last week in his completions. No, and we talked about how he's, He's given what the defense or taking what the defense has given him with the easy check downs. He's not forcing anything. We talked about his decision making and he didn't have any turnovers in this one. I think they had opportunities where they could have picked some off. He got lucky at times. No, a 21 of 27, 123, 78 almost percentage, completion percentage. And Roe Elliott had 80 yards on seven carries and Bryce Miller had six catches. I mean, everything was going great. Avante was averaging 17 yards of catch. He made a great sideline catch in this game. Uh, I mean, it was 21 points at half. That's amazing. And we were doing what we were supposed to. They had a good defense. We were doing great, Noah, to this point. And it all fell apart. I mean, right? I mean, this was borderline perfect how we could have been in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your defense was playing very well. Um, offensively, um, we gave – basically gave them the only – offensively, you gave them the only – with the turnover, you gave them the only touchdown of their – of the first half. Uh, for them and other than that turnover offense was really good I mean Nick started a couple times had to use his legs and he had two for 18 had 18 yards on the ground Um, didn't get sacked in the first half I don't think Um, was just really I mean his completion shooter was 78 percent he was just finding guys and what we've been telling him to do or what we've been saying all year just take what they've been giving us don't force anything into traffic that'll put it in harm's way and turn the ball over. And yeah, we were getting good. Roe was getting going on the ground. No Justin Strong in this one as well. Again, hopefully after the bye, I'd say we get him back. But um, running game was good. I mean, last year up there in the playoffs, we had 190 yards on the ground. And this one, in the first half, he had 128. I mean, just really overall offensively, really good first half. Defensively, um, looked pretty good, held them in check. Um, obviously, a quarterback change throws a screwball in there. You not don't know really what to expect from a guy that I had to look into once he came in because I didn't know anything about him um, that hadn't played since high school because coming out of high school, he was a four-star recruit, went to Iowa State, redshirted, sat a year, then now he ends up at South Dakota. And uh, so did their kicker. Both their kicker and their and the backup quarterback came from Iowa State. I mean, just came in and in the second half, he they made adjustments and we did not. But couldn't ask for a better first half other than the turnover that set up their only touchdown in the first half. Defense was playing well. And felt really confident going to that second half to be able to um, put more. I mean, you had 128 on the ground. Felt like you could do that again manage the clock, take what they give you in the passing game if you have to, and really just win the football game, and that's not exactly what happened. Just crazy knowing that's where their backup came from, and Carson Camp's been like their go-to guy now for a couple of years. It's safe to say that, that their backup, it won't take long before he's the starter. Obviously, if you pull him and that's what happens against a ranked team, they come in here and he can do that, you know, play mistake-free, I suppose, and, and – besides one turnover on downs, which we'll get to that we had in this game in the second half that we thought swung momentum. But 
I mean, we outgained them by in total yards 172 to 18 in the first quarter. And we know that's when we scored, uh, you know, 14 points. So it was just, and yeah, as you said, their only touchdown was because we gave it up to them. So it doesn't make any sense. One receiving yards, 123 to 34. Rushing yards, 128 to 59. That was on 12 carries for them, only 20 for us. 16 to 5 first downs. Uh, they had four penalties. They had a lot of stupid penalties in this game. We'll get to some more. Uh, or a lot of, like, dumb, you know, sideline penalties that they had. Uh, and then just, I mean, 251 total yards with 48. We out. We had 26 more plays than they did, and not 251 and 93 yards. I mean, they were 5 of 10 throwing. It's it just crazy, the turn of events. And that's what Nick said in the presser. It was total tail of two halves. Just unbelievable. And I remember I, I showered at halftime, came back out, Noah, and they went right downfield easily. I mean, talk about, like I said, tail two halves, but just the fact that you don't make enough adjustments. You're doing so well against the run and living up to ninth in the country at the time and tops in school history. I don't even know what to say. It took 80, 80 yards, four minutes off the clock, Noah, to get in the end zone to make it 21 to 17. And we were able to match them with a Jake – a 21-yard field goal, so we got deep, and it, it stinks that we couldn't. There were a lot of – some drops in this game, a lot of uh, – I think it was on either this drive at some point in the second half. There was another one near the end of the game to keep a drive – to keep one of the last drives alive. But there was a play where Avante was along the sideline, and he got behind a defender. Nick made a nice throw. He made a, a lot of nice throws in the first half and had one sailed over the defender. And Avante – I don't know if it barely got tipped. Avante, I guess, just missed – like – misread it when it was coming right at him he easily could have caught it and maybe even ran for some more just got out of bounds could have gave us a first down didn't happen so a, a lot of stuff stalled he hit he hit uh Deontay for 29 third and four and then it came to this is when they had when uh, uh Javon ran for 13 yards I think he made I think he was honestly not gonna have anything this play and then end up making it third 13 and then he got pushed out of bounds there was a penalty so we were able to live off penalty. We got first and goal at the eight. No, we couldn't do anything. Had to settle for a 21-yard field goal. We were okay with it. And the team was, in general, because it got us back to a touchdown lead. Noah, just to, you know, you don't finish drives offensively and you let them score right away. You're able to make them punt on the next one. But that wasn't ideally. It's good that we matched them, just points in general. But that was not a great start of the second half. No, it's like, it's like obviously – you got to see a little bit of the backup quarterback, and you should be able to make adjustments off that. But we, our defense basically didn't come back out for the second half, and they basically got what they want, be able to move the ball down the field. And obviously you want to match them and take points there. Um, but I'd have almost confidence in your offense, maybe um, fourth and goal at the three. You might want to go for it. Obviously we took the points, um, the safe choice, but I feel like, Nick Hill's a pretty aggressive coach at sometimes, and maybe he should have went for it on your on the on the three three yard line, um, to make a play there and be able to really take recontrol of the game. But we didn't do that, and obviously, defense really didn't show up till the fourth quarter, um, after they had tied the game, and we weren't able to uh, after they tied the game, um, on a pretty, they just started gashing us in the run game. A twenty-nine yard run to take the or to tie it up, six plays, sixty-nine yards in two minutes with ease. Um, but after that, we went three and out to start the fourth quarter. 
uh, three plays, no yards gained, a minute and a half off the off the clock. Then this is where our defense showed up for one drive. They went four plays, nine yards, turned it over on downs at the at the fifty yard line, um, but we were unable to get points out of it. Just the fact that two of those possessions, negative six yards, taking about close to four minutes off the clock, not doing anything. And you're right, that was uh, when Bowman tried to run, he tried to uh, – he kept a, an option, right, and then just kept it himself, and they snuffed it out. Zach snuffed it out, and next thing you know, there's momentum because when you punt straight up when they tie it and it's 24-all, that's not great. So you're able to do that. And then know on the next possession, when we punt it again, one of that negative six, two or two. It's like when you have that, you've got to be able to capitalize and swing momentum your way back. I mean, it makes total sense. I mean, you're you're at that point in the game where it's important to, you know, just capitalize on opportunities because there is, you know, few and far between outside of the fumble earlier in the game. And no, on this drive, it was good to see though, because we know there was no uh or I think on the one prior, let me see here. There was – or uh, before that, so three punts earlier, we saw Remington make his first catch of the year, if I believe, for seven yards. That was for a first down. But then Noah, on a couple of plays later on that one punt, negative yards, I, that I said that he had an offensive pass interference. Looked like a play that he was going downfield that we would run to a Ty Staniel. Uh that obviously failed, and then that stalled, and then we had to punt there, and then they punted again. So we're, you know, they're letting us continue to do this. Yeah, defense was great. The downs got the punt, uh, and then <clears throat> Nick Baker got intercepted, Noah, because on fourth and six, we'll talk about these last final possessions. You go for it fourth and six, you go for it. When we were at South Dakota's 42, and Noah, if I just – you know, I'm trying to think of the play. There was whenever, wasn't it? Whenever Nick was about to get sacked, he kind of threw it last seconds, and he got picked. I mean, we talked about how he hasn't his decision making either. You don't want to necessarily throw it away. You know, they're in their territory, so you, you can live with it. Just kind of find the sticks and do that. It was tough. The the pocket was collapsing, but he threw a pick there. Then they go down and get that field goal. You know, we'll dive into obviously some of these plays here, how they got down with the field goal, and then again near the end of the our last possession going forward on fourth and 10 was just catastrophic. Yeah, really just their drive to get the, what was game winning field goal with um, about two and a half minutes left. Travis Tice just took over. I mean, 14 yard right up the gut. Then they went over left 20 yard, just like that. They were in field goal range already. Uh, we were able to slow him down. Um, he had a couple other two-yard games, and um, they had a three-yard pass. Able to stop him fourth and three, and they kick a 44-yard field goal to take the lead. Um, but our, right then and there, we were ready. You are right there. You had two and a half minutes. You had two timeouts. Had to waste a timeout earlier in the half in the third quarter. Um, but you had two timeouts, two and a half minutes, plenty of time to go down on a game-winning drive. First, first, first play, incomplete pass of Bryce Miller. Second play, tried to force it into the middle over to Avante. Could have been could have been caught. I don't know, it was a little bit behind him, I thought. Then the third down pass was incomplete to Bryce. So right there, fourth and ten. Fourth and ten with two minutes to go. You have two timeouts. Obviously, you're on your own 25-yard line. You haven't gained any yardage. 
it was a very poor coaching decision, which there was a lot in this game. Bad coaching overall, but to go for fourth and ten, Nick gets sacked, loses nine yards, and just right that you set up. Obviously, you have your two timeouts. If you get stops, which we didn't end up getting any stops, they just ran the ball and ran the clock out. Um, you, if you got the stop, you'd still be a one possession game. You're down. If you hold them a field goal, you're down six. Um, but they were getting anything you want. I would have put in the ball away with two timeouts. Could have tried to get a stop, play the run, and have better field position. But you did not choose that, and it was a bad decision. Get sacked. Um, did get sacked um, a lot in this game, but I think this might have been the only one. But it was the biggest one. It's the big. It's the most costly bad decision in my opinion. With two minutes left, you have two timeouts. I would have punted the ball away. Try to let Torney boot one. Try to get good field, good field position back. If you get to able to stop them at all, obviously, um, it didn't matter at the end. I think that's exactly it right there. Is how can you go for it fourth and ten? You don't get anything. You're right. Two timeouts, two minutes on the clock. Punt it. That just shows you they're uh, they're not confident in him. And even if he gets, I mean, and the and the kicker's got a leg. You just got to hone down on defense because you have been the whole time against the run at the very end of the game, trust your defense because even if he punts it and it gets to midfield, you can stop him there. If he kicks the boot, oh, well, you have at least, you know, a minute, you know, getting the ball back. If he, if he nails it, even if he does it, you know he's going to try. And maybe you get a tackle for loss or anything, you make them punt it, then you're, then you're, then you're, you're sitting pretty again. You just, especially if you're, this is a play cause. I mean, the guys were deflected. I think that Avante won, I think it hit his hands. But you're right, it wasn't like exactly precise one bit. Um, and then the Bryce ones, he was he was near, I think, the line to gain, and then he just couldn't get it either. They were kind of forced plays. It's just it's just ridiculous how you can go and go for it on fourth and ten when you yeah, I agree. They should have punted it and just played it out. They kicked the field goal, you're still down six, you can go down and win the game. Granted, it, it is what it is, but it's better than immediately losing out and then them just because I'm pretty sure. On the final possession, it didn't matter because when we were burning our timeouts, I, I remember, you know, uh, Zach and either George or somebody got a stop on this final when they were pinned or when they were deep in our territory after we didn't go for it. But then it didn't matter once they got the – then they got a first because they went for it on fourth and one and they just took a knee and that's how it ended. You don't want to end it that way. That was the most frustrating. They should have – that's where ultimately terrible coaching was having the decision to go for it. And then your quarterback gets body slammed to the ground not to mention, and, you know, Jacob Koffel got hurt in this game. We Nick talked about on the presser that he's fine, uh, but then they had to move. Uh, how, how did they, they brought Torre in and where they moved Chase, who was also questionable in this game, moved him to center and yes. then play, and then played it out. And then, you know, pocket collapse. We know Abdu has been, had been struggling, but just in general, you're right. That's probably the only time he's been sacked and it came at the very end of the game. Just very bad coaching in this one. When the defense – was terrible in the, in the middle of the game and then honed down like they did at the start. They didn't trust the defense, and they dang sure didn't trust Torney, which is which is ridiculous. Like I said, you could have got him at midfield and then went from there and managed the game a little better. You don't, you're not playing scared if you go for you know, if you punt it instead of going for fourth and ten. Then you just look you know stupid, honestly. And no, we talked about and Nick was asked in this game if there's panic after this kind of loss. Looking ahead, 
and he mentioned how they didn't panic, you know, after their own two going to Northwestern, but no, just in terms of this game, they seem like they were playing with their hair on fire, panicked, especially in these last final possessions. And that's ultimately did them in because then when you freak out, Nick's forcing passes and it ended up how it did. No, they easily, uh, you know, crapped the bed, so to speak, at the end of this game, they were playing like their hair was on fire. Yeah, really just, I mean, Nick Baker in the second half wasn't, wasn't great at all, but nobody on this team was good in the second half. Um, it's just a shame that um, you could, you could have continued to take care of business and you did in the first half and you were almost like they just tried to put in cruise control and, and that didn't work. And there were just no adjustments at all through the second half. Just really disappointing that when you're trying to handle business like you are and trying to win in the drivers up in the front and the top of the league to be able to win a Missouri Valley title, which we haven't done in forever because of the state and the Dakota States run the conference. You had an opportunity to stay up top with South Dakota state who took care of business um, on the road at North Dakota. I mean, you had that opportunity and you just, gave it away in the second half with no, I mean, bad coaching and just lack lack of execution. It's just, it sucks because now you're here at five and you fall to five and three and you put a lot on the rest of the season with three games to go. Exactly. And, you know, like we said, or like I said, whenever Nick said, if they panic, you know, after 0-2, it's like when you panic now and you're playing a really hot team next week, and it's like, oh, let's, let's run the table. And it sounded easy the way we were playing. It seemed like it was possible. And then you do drop a game like this, and the way that you did, it can kill confidence. You know, granted, like we said, it didn't kill us 0-2, so we'll see if it kills them now. It's just, you're right. It could have put us in great position because we'll get to the game South Dakota State had. They ended up toughing it out and honestly winning pretty big whenever they were down early. And you're right, we haven't won a title in a long time. And now that's you know at the window until unless South Dakota State gets upset, which it doesn't even matter because it seems like they're not gonna lose anymore and we have a couple of tough games in the year. So that's that's definitely out the window now. It's very unfortunate. Uh some more stats here real fast. I had or they we talked about how they outgained us or we outgained them in the first quarter. They outgained us 140 to 74 in the third quarter. And 102 to 36 in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's that's it right there. You can't move the ball. You can't do anything. Help your defense out when they were down. But they they make adjustments in this game as well. You know, they but when they were bad, they were bad though. Some of those runs, I remember their freshman running back had an easy sideline touchdown. They couldn't even catch him. Noticed Antonio Fletcher at the end of the game when they're walking into the tunnel. Didn't even see him throughout the game. I don't even recall straight away if he started. No, I just saw him with his. Jersey off, headed in the locker room. Saw a lot of Easton Wolf in this game. He made a lot of – he made some key tackles, but it's – we don't think Antonio got benched, but Nick also said that outside of, you know, Ty Daniel, who we thought was going to miss definitely this game and maybe not a whole lot, he said that he's going to miss a while. Unfortunately, outside of that, he said that there was no other injuries outside of mentioning Coffles, and Antonio wasn't hurt. I doubt you would bench a guy who's playing well over, you know, and have Easton Wolf play for him, but they have short leashes, I guess. And we talked about what it could have been. A lot of PJ, PJ played well in this game. We'll get to it. But I mean, that, that getting out game like that is ridiculous. Nick went, I think, like six of 17 in the second half with that pick and like 60 something yards. It's just ridiculous. Rowe got us a hundredth 
got a hundred yards in this one. So he, and he averaged six yards a carry and had that 39 yard or 39 long shout out to Romir for playing. Well, we talked about how, when are we going to get a hundred yard uh, games? And I'm pretty sure they said this was his second. I don't recall. Might have said second of his career. No, because I don't, he missed a game. I don't recall if he had another one this year. Uh, Javon had 36. He's pushing up there on the, you know, all-time ranks. We'll get to those. Deontay, seven of 70. Bryce, seven of 36. Avante, two of 33. Tough game for Avante. He said he had some that he could have probably caught. He did have that touchdown, though. Mentioned Remington's first catch of the year. We're actually pretty good receiving the ball. And then we talked about the fumble recovery and the uh, fumble recovery for us and the fumble loss. No final takeaways on this. And if there's anything we missed from Nick's presser that discussed this game, just an overall stinker. Like we said, we didn't post stats because that's how frustrated we were. Only scoring three points in the second half. This reminded us of Illinois State, even though we didn't score in that one. You can't be this con- consistent, obviously, and expect to win, win a lot of games, even though it seems like that's what we've been doing. We've been finishing games. But when you have bad second halves, it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, just really disappointing that um, you go on the road and handle business um, for half the game and just have a a meltdown in the second half and just really no make no adjustments. Um, that's on the coaches. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Antonio Fletcher. He started the game, only had two tackles, um, assuming he got banged up in this one. But Nick did say um, they came out pretty clean from that one. Um, so, or, yeah, put, came out pretty clean from the game. So no major injuries from this one. But, yeah, I mean, Romir – you mentioned Romir's 100-yard game, and his both his 100-yard games this year have came in disappointing losses. First game of the year at Incarnate Word. Just obviously that was a big disappointing the way to start the season, but you drop one in the middle of conference play um, when you're on a five-game win streak like you did in the second half. Um, just really disappointing. Um, Nick Baker was awful in the second half. I think we only had like 110 yards of offense. Um, not as bad as Illinois State because we only had like 60 in the second half up there. But 110 is not going to get it done. Got to be better. Um, just really, really got to um, got to go back to work this week. Um, the old saying, you go to the doctor, get some medicine, and uh, get back to work this week because um, you got a big one. It's Saturday because you got to bounce back. Um, obviously, We've heard it from this team a lot, and you hear it from this team a lot. They're they always have their backs against the wall, come bounce back from adversity. They're usually pretty good at it. So, um, we'll see, because this program's got to change that. You can't have these letdown games in the middle of the conference play when you're running the table like this. And really, if you want to ever be a championship program, we gotta 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 remove these letdown games in the middle of conference play because obviously it's the Missouri Valley. Any given Saturday, anybody can beat. Everybody, people say, but if you want to be a championship level program, you'll be able to take care of business when it matters. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That seems to be the thing. We know Youngstown at the end of the year, you have those stinkers, games you shouldn't, and that was at home. And this one was on the road. That's why I feel like they were one and five with the toughest schedule. They were struggling. So you still obviously should not lose, just knowing that it was, you know, it's better than losing a game. And Youngstown killed us at home. I mean, those, yeah, we do get those at least once a year. They can't happen, though. Yeah, if you want to be the team you want to be and get over the hump, you know, making the playoffs is one thing. That's the goal. But you got to be able to sustain and you got to get in good position. We'll talk about, like we said, a bracketology that's out and the potential of what 
that could be. So, yeah, Clayton led, Clayton and Branson led us in tackles. We did have three sacks in this game. Uh, so, like, the defense, like I said, they struggled in the middle, but they were good at the beginning and good at the end. It's all you can ask for. Some final quotes here from Nick Hill. He said, we have to be humble in our victories and humble in our defeats as well. Every team we're playing the rest of the season beat us last year. That should have our attention. Coming back home, we need a big win. And that's that's well said because he's right. The last three teams beat us last year. So it's going to be a tough road the rest of the way. But, you know, turning the page on this one, moving on, and that's all you can do. You, you can dwell on it, but we know this team won't, surely. And like Nick said, they're not going to panic because they didn't at the start of the year when it looked bleak then. It doesn't look too bleak now. You just got to sustain. And that's a big word Nick said in his presser is they didn't really sustain. And we, we've we said that in both sports. You got sustain in games and sustain in a season. That's obviously everything that it takes. So, or that was a, yeah, that was a quote by Romero. He said, this brings us back to SEMO week. That's the last time we lost. I feel like our team, we're just dogs. We come back stronger every time. So we'll see. We'll see what they're made of. So quickly here. We said an update on the all-time stats, update for Javon. He's still third. He's nine behind Anarchy Whitlock for total touchdowns at 42 now. He's behind DJ Davis, who did it in three less games to this point, has about over 230 yards for fifth place. He'll pass him at some point, maybe. We know he only gets about 40 rushing yards a game, so it'll be tough. Might not catch DJ this year. For Nick Baker, it's just crazy. He's third right now in passing yards. He's going to end up being second. Not sure even next year counting he's going to pass Samburski, so he'll probably end up second all-time in yards. He is still behind Samburski also in completions. He's only about 67 behind that if my math's correct, so he could get that next year along with this year. We know he's the last couple games has been helping him out with that. He just passed Corey Faulkner. And then he's behind Nick Hill still in touchdown pass. He's only three behind him and Mike Iannotti or Mark Iannotti. So he probably won't pass Joel with that. You never know. So he's in the top four and three of all those. He'll be two almost in everything for sure as time goes on. For Avante, still third. He's only one yard behind Landon now for second all time. We know he's first consecutive games with a catch. I think I saw something too where he's in the top five of Missouri Valley of all time. Uh, all-time Missouri Valley. Yeah, he's he's fifth all-time Missouri Valley ahead of Cornell Craig. Right behind Lance, the Norlandon's brother. We know he was a good player at Western. One behind him for consecutive games with a catch. Surely he can continue that. He's not going to catch the leader on that, but he will probably get to second all-time, which would be huge. And then we mentioned how we were first in school history against the run. Now we're second. Now a solid 10 yards per game difference behind 1970 to this point. So that's where we stand. Mike will have those every single week. Good to see. Now, Noah, like I said, there was – I think we covered everything Nick said in the press. We touched on some things with you and I, how hot they are. We'll get to them at the very end. Let's dive into how these scores happened this week. And like we said, the one we were eyeing the most looked good for us, especially in our point of view. I guess at halftime of our game and halftime of South Dakota State's game, looking like we could have been in first place by the end of the day, but they came back in ours. and We faltered in ours. Let's get to them and other games. Yeah, uh, really just um, we were tracking that game, obviously, um, with what could have happened. They were South Dakota State down 21-14 at halftime. North Dakota, really good home team. Um, but as you see, you see it with North Dakota State and South Dakota State. They just take over games unlike we do in the second half. They outscored North Dakota um, 
35-14 in the second half to get a 49 to 35 win. Um so they just basically clinched um the Missouri Valley title for the year um cuz they got a very favorable favorable schedule um the rest of the way um other than that Illinois State went on the road um to continue their hot streak um to beat Indiana State 27-21 Youngstown goes on the road gets a 1 point victory over Western Illinois 28-27 the Northern Iowa the team we faced this week um hosted Missouri State um blew them out as well 41-20 um so complete the wheels have completely fallen off Missouri State um pretty crazy to see that's honestly just incredible like how you can falter that badly we know the game against us they have a bad offensive line they they can't sustain themselves we know they you know just last year they lose a game you know, they shouldn't have in that first round. That was barely, and that kind of just put them out of control moving forward. We talked about how their head coach might be out the door, but could be out the door. But uh, that's not the game they want to have out of their bye. We know they're on the road. Northern Iowa's really tough to place basketball and football, and they get beat by three touchdowns. That's crazy. And then, yeah, it's, you're right. South Dakota State can finish games, and I guess we cannot. That's what that means. We have in some games. I mean, it's not to say we just should downplay the year Overall, because we actually, you know, obviously had a great season to this point. It's just when you when they lose, it, they're heartbroken. The, the SEMO game was a heartbreaker. Incarnate War was a heartbreaker to start the year than this one was as well. Let's quickly, before we get into other games, let's dive into what the standings look like. As we know, 5-0 and South Dakota State. We are 4-1, 5-3 on the year. You're right, Illinois State is on fire. Them and North Dakota State, 3-1. and North Dakota now three and two. And again, them and you and I are the only teams that have, uh, you know, an advantage on everybody, I guess, to this point. Or, or most, some of them have had by That was the case at the beginning of the year. They don't now. So they're both three and two. Youngstown, two and two. Missouri State, Indiana State, Western, 0 oh and four. Western still winless on the year. And South Dakota at one and three. That will, that win being against us. Point, points force. Now, I think we were, you know, because we, I mean, we still scored 24, but now we are 140, which we're like fourth now in points forced in conference and points allowed. We're in the bottom half as well. So it was just a, a game we kept close and scored a little bit, but you also let up points. You know, anything that sticks out here and then dive into the other games on the FCS, there was one that I remember I was going to sleep at like late, like 11 o'clock maybe if that was late. And then – or it was like 1 o'clock, I think, and that this Sacramento State and Montana State game or Montana game was still going. But dive into this and then talk about those scores. Yeah, that was a that was a really good game. Um, Sacramento State um, won in overtime, um, 31-24. So a big win to keep the state undefeated for Sacramento State. Uh, but other games around – um, the FCS um, that were pretty good. Um, I in Incarnate Word played some Division two team, won 70 to nothing. So um, Incarnate Word continues to have a great season. Other besides the one loss to Southeastern Louisiana, uh, the other the other couple big games. Montana State um, came back and beat Weber State 43-38. Um, I believe Weber State had like four safeties in this one. I think their long snapper literally caused four safeties um, just over the head of the punter. I I wouldn't 
imagine what if that happened to SIU. Obviously, we saw a couple and incarnate word, but like they they didn't end up as safeties. And if that happened to us, I would really lose it. Uh, Semo stays hot, fifty one sixteen win over Northwestern State. Um, Southeastern Louisiana wins again. Then the other big games: Chattanooga defeats Mercer forty one twenty one, and New Hampshire beats Elon forty to twenty two. Wow. And yeah, it's you're right. Semo just keeps on rolling. They keep helping their cause. You mentioned that incarnate kind of word game. Lindsey Scott's got like 37 touchdowns on the year. And that can be enhanced when you play a team like that. We talked about how I don't know why some of these teams are playing these lowly schools in between, especially at this level. It's just kind of odd. Uh, but yeah, that game that lasted till uh, that overtime game till like one o'clock, I think. And then yeah, Montana State and uh Weaver State was quality. That was close. A lot of good games. Lennon would beat Murray. I think Murray's still winless as well. So they're going to be welcome, welcome into the Valley next year and do probably the exact same thing. So just weird, just weird stuff going around. And then uh, we're 20th now in stats perform, I believe, uh, 24th in the coaches poll, which those are the only ones that matter. It's definitely, like we said, stats perform is the only one that the main account is going to post about. A reasonable fall, losing to a one in five team. Uh, before we get to bracketology, there was one by Stan Becton, who we follow. He follows us. <clears throat> He's on the main FCS account. <clears throat> and they and he does, I think he does a lot for the HBCUs, but he posted <clears throat> about God, <clears throat> excuse me. And they posted about what it what it could be, what the bracket could be. And he didn't have us on there as well or at all. So that's you know, something obviously we'll note that that was on his. And then no, let's dive into Sam's 5.0, like we said. He hates us, but we're still going to talk about his content because it's something regardless. 5.0, no, he has us in a reasonable game. There's some people that you know were commenting, talking about this game, that it could be a good one. And a team that uh, got a big win only two weeks ago, and they won again this week. Let's dive into that. Yeah, obviously, um, he had us in the last four last week um, in the 4.0. And obviously, he's been talking about, he tweeted out, I think, Saturday that the Valley could only be a three-team league this year, which is crazy. The last couple of years, we've been four or five with ease. Um, but with a loss, he didn't move us at all. He still had us um, as the 21st team in, um, so didn't move us a lot. Um, but he has us projected um, to play Idaho. Obviously, um, if Tim Leonard does a really good job, we can – outbid to have a home game. Hopefully that can happen um, because that's how first-round matchups go. Um, get a home game there, then you have to go on the road. We would have to go on the road to Montana State in the second round, um, which would be a very challenging matchup, but I'd rather see a new face like that than play one of the Dakota schools in the second round. Exactly. That's what we said last week. We, If we want to go get – I mean, we're going to get killed by either of them. And then, obviously, at those schools we've never seen, that would be very ideal. And I think Sam also on here had us – he projected us to beat you and I in Youngstown but lose to North Dakota State to finish to 7-4. and four. Uh, But Idaho's fun. We know they beat Montana when they were – Montana State when they were number 11. Uh, or Montana, which I think they – who they beat two weeks ago? Was it Montana State? They beat Montana. Montana. So – and then that was a little bit of their side. Montana State, yeah, they're, they're two, so they haven't really lost – but then people are talking about how that's a fun game with Idaho. And, like, yeah, that's two teams that 
we wouldn't have seen. And it's just hope that we don't, they don't pit us against South Dakota State, but that depends. Tough games to end the year. You never know how they're going to go. Yeah, not looking great for that North Dakota State game. You never know because they're just a different road team. But um, we'll do, we'll just see. And it's it's a thing of being one of the final four teams. You get these matchups. You get nice first round matchups every year, but then you get the second matchup, which is always going to be a butt whooping every time. That's what we've talked about. How we don't want to be. Obviously, over time, you want to propel to be higher than that overall. So. We'll keep updating that every week. That'll probably be the only thing we have from from her uh, from Hero over time. Hero Sports. Now, Noah, let's dive into the commits. We talked about how we got Alan Middleton, obviously, on the preview on Friday, and it was nice knowing. And he went up and talked about obviously what he did in his game. And he gets actually in the and you'll get to what his first round matchup is. We know this team pretty well that he's going to be playing. Dive into his game and then everybody else. Yep, that's exactly where they're going to start with the newest commit. Three-star receiver, Allen Middleton. Um, Mascuda finishes 6-3 and three on the season um, with a win over Carmondale, 50-23. to 23. Allen had four catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Uh, had Also had seven carries for 29 yards and a touchdown. Also had a kick return for a touchdown. So um, maybe this is your return specialist um, that we've been looking for. Also on defense society, he had six tackles. And a one PBU. Um, Mascuda is a 5A school um, in the state of Illinois. They are the seventh seed in the South bracket, and they host our hometown, Marion. So, um, won't be able to make it. I would go up there for it. I think it's like a one o'clock. Won't be able to get off yeah. work in time, or I'd go up for it. So, um, definitely will be tuned into that one. I think they played each other last year in the playoffs. Um, so. This is a big one. It's going to be interesting to watch, obviously, um, with the connections between our hometown and now our newest commit. Um, also in the state of Illinois, Blaine Halley and um, Olympia, they get a big win the last game of the year versus Petersburg, Petersburg Porta Co-op, 47-6. to six. That was their fifth one on the season. So they were playoff eligible. And in 3A, they are the 15th seed in the South bracket, and they actually um, – Blaine Halley and his team get to make the trip down and play uh, Benton on the road in the first round. So another Southern Illinois connection coming down here. Um, be interesting to see how they do. Benton had a really good year. Um, over in Indiana, um, and our offensive line commit, Aiden Durig, his team finished crown point, finished 9-0. and Um they're in 6A in the state of Indiana. That is the highest level over there. Um, they are the one seed, and they do uh, districts over there. So they host a 2-7 and seven Portage team in the first round of sectionals. So um, they previously beat Portage 42-7 to seven, um, earlier in the year. So expect them to roll in the first round of sectionals in that one. Um, our tight end commit, Logan Minton. Um, Lafayette finishes six and three, had a tough loss um, versus Lindbergh on Friday night, 17-14. Um, Logan sent us his stats, so these are – I know these are correct. So, four, 40 for 60 um, on and receiving. Then he had one sack and one PBU also on the defensive side. Um, they do districts as well over in Missouri. Um, Lafayette is in Class 5, District 2. They're the three seed, and they host Parkway South this week. So um, 
playoffs over in the state of Missouri. Also in Missouri, Jameer Khan, a defensive back commit, and Lee's, Lee's uh, and his team has finished 9-1. and one. Um, They get a win 40-34 to 34 over Park Hill last week. Um, big win for them. Um, they are in Class 6, District 3. Um, class 6 is the highest level over in the state of Missouri. They are the two seed, and they host Lee's Summit. So Lee's Summit North um, hosts Lee's Summit. They previously beat them 38-16 in, in the year. So um, hopefully another big win to start off playoff seeds over there. Um, out in Kansas, uh, Miles Walsh, our linebacker commit, Derby finishes six and two on the year with a win over Newton, forty-nine to twenty on Friday night. Miles had sixteen tackles, so another very good performance for him. Um, they start playoffs as well this week. Um, they're in six A. That is the highest level out in Kansas. They're the two seed in the West bracket. They host a one and seven Topeka team, so um, they do districts out there. So. Expect a win for them this week. Um, all the other teams, uh, all our other commits, playoffs have not started yet, so they have a couple, I, th- I think, a couple more weeks before. Um, like down in Alabama, our wide receiver, another wide receiver commit, and Cameron White, his team gets over the five hundred mark, five and four, uh, Huntsville with a win over Austin, forty five thirty one. He had six for seventy. Uh, they are on the road against a four and five Hazel Green this week. Our two commits down at Prattville, Alabama. Um, they lost a tough one to Auburn, 37 29. Carmelo did have six tackles, and Tice had seven tackles and two tackles for loss. So Prattville on the road this week against a really good central team that is seven and two on the year. Um, tough road game to wrap up the season. Then down in Georgia, our defensive tackle commit, Amir Dwight. They get over the 500 mark as well, five and four in the year with a win over Columbus, 52 to 10. Amir had a big game, 12 tackles, one and a half tackles for loss and a sack. Um, they're on the road as well this week against a six and three Thomasville team um, to wrap up the season. Then with two more weeks in this season after this week, uh, Caleb Wagner gets a win, 52-35 over Freeport. They're six and they improved to six and three on the route on the year and they um, go on the road versus a one and seven Vernon team. So expect another big win for Caleb and his squad. So some playoffs start this week for our commits, some big weeks. Hopefully um, we know our, our class last year had a lot of success in the playoffs. So hopefully it starts again this week. Then we got a couple guys down South still uh, wrapping up their season. So hopefully they finish that season strong. And we wish we'll I'll go over this again Friday in our preview of you and I uh, just when they play again. So we'll keep you guys updated. Good stuff once again, and it, it, it's very ironic. And we know Mosquito is not far away from Marion. That's why we said you know all of Allen's final teams were most of them were pretty close to home, and he stays closer to home at SIU. And it's just ironic that he'll play Marion. You're right; it's like a one one o'clock game, so. Won't be able to make it. That would be fun to watch. It'd be a good matchup. He had a heck of a week. And you mentioned how, you know, guys last year had success and thinking about, I think we were, we were trying to, it's way too early to compare clearly just thinking about uh, 
how high we were on that on last year's class and how high we are on this year's class. There's a lot of players in this class that we like, a lot of big time players. And we know a lot of the guys from last year are sitting out this year currently. Some are playing. We know Sean and you know Ben Bogle and Hearns, their dress are the only three, and the rest are sitting or dealing with injury. Excited to see what they are. And then, like I said, it's way too early, but we're really excited about a lot of players in this class and big-time commits we have. And maybe we're not done. That'll be a wait and see. We'll get the – as time goes on, once their, once their high school careers end, and over time we'll get, like, the full rundown, obviously, of how many and just obviously they have, what their season looked like and everything. So nice job on that again. Uh, quickly, NFL Salukis. I didn't look at anyone else. I just know uh, – I don't think anyone else played – uh, you can double check that if you want about like my call with the Falcons. We know Jeremy's still hurt, but Ryan Neal continues to do his thing. He did it against my Chargers this week. Uh, and when the Seahawks killed them the other day, he did have a interception of Justin Herbert in this one. I was texting Noah at the time uh, about it, and I wanted to go back and find uh, the full stat sheets. Um, I mean, he had a couple pass breakups. He was just – he was elite in that game, honestly. He's playing. He's been playing really, really well. So, let me get this up real fast. Ryan had seven total tackles that was second on the team. He had four passes defense. That was – he had four of the nine as a team. Way the most on their team, without a doubt. And he did have that interception. So, Ryan just had a heck of a day. He's showing what he's made of so far. And, of course, it had to come at the expense of my team. But he did it, and I was applauding him at the time. It was a great play. He's a great player. No, do we know anything about anybody else? Anything on Mike Hall? Uh, I believe he was inactive this week. I'm double-checking right now. Um, didn't have anything in the box score, um, but um, I'm double-checking. Um, he wasn't on the – and he's not on the inactive list, so he might have played, just didn't have anything in the stat sheet. This is crazy because we know fighting injuries and he plays, you know, two snaps last week and gets the touchdown. And if he's a touchdown machine, touchdown magnet, that's all we can ask ask for, I guess. So Ryan was the only one that did anything this week. Jeremy will be back in a couple of weeks. With all that being said, here we are to the point where we can sneak peek the Panthers before we talk about them on Friday. They are red hot, as we know, as we've talked about. You know, they've been battle tested this year themselves. Uh, you know, they're four and four on the season now. Like we said, what their conference record is, uh, they are three and two in conference. But no, they've, as we've talked about, you know, what their games were before, they got blown up by Air Force to start the year, barely lost at North Dakota. Then they hosted Sacramento State and got beat by 16. But, you know, those are some tough games. They barely squeaked by Indiana State. They barely lose to Illinois State. And they killed a small school before they killed Missouri State. No, they've had a, They've had a crazy road to this point as well. Sacramento State's one of the best in the country. As we know, that's a tough non-conference matchup. Other than that, what else do we have to sneak peek them real fast? Yeah, obviously this is a very tough defensive team always. I'm obviously the back-to-back defensive player of the year. Um, is gone. Don't have to mess with him. Uh, Nick, Nick Hill mentioned that in his presser today. And Jared Brinkman, he's gone. But they, they have guys that just plug right in. Uh, Spencer Covlier, that's always been has been there a little bit. Um, very good. Nick Hill did mention um, Benny – or he alluded to Benny, Sna- Benny Sapp third in his presser today. He's been there a long time. Like, it feels like a lot of people usually talk about this in basketball more often, but um, this is Benny's, like, Nick Hill's pretty sure seventh year in college. So, 
a veteran safety back there um, that's really good on that defense. Um, but this is probably one of the best quarterbacks we'll see this year, maybe um, the best quarterback in the FCS, um, Theo Day, um, who appeared in 11 games last year, came in, transferred from Michigan State. So another big 10 transfer we'll see this year. Already seen a Minnesota guy. Um, against Illinois State. We saw a Big 12 guy last week. Now we see another Big 10 transfer. So Theo Day, pretty good year so far. Um, this offense is rolling one, two in a row. So should be an inter- interesting matchup. Can't wait to break it down on Friday. That's crazy that they're – yeah, all these other conference teams are getting all these high major quarterbacks. And this one, yeah, saying he's one of the best in the FCS, that's saying something. And they, their running back will just – Leave it this before we talk about it more. He has nine touchdowns on the year. So that's so they can run, they can throw, they're the pure package. And that six five quarterback can run Nick Kilseth. So we will dive into them more. Will not be easy. Like I said, they've had a rocky road, but they could easily come in a Saluki Stadium and get the job done. Uh, it would have been nice to get last week's win before we get this tough matchup before the bye, before we get the toughest matchup of the year. So no final thoughts. Yeah, obviously a big week, like I said earlier. Um the good old cliche of going to the doctor and getting our medicine, um, learning from what a rough second half it was. Obviously, we got to be better. And obviously, like Ramirez said after the game, we're, we've been, we're, I mean, and what everybody says, we've been in this situation too many times before. It's time to bounce back again. Obviously, um, they've shown to be that type of team. And obviously, um, Obviously, Nick Hill's right. It's not time to hit a panic button, um, but we got to be a lot better than we were in that second half. So, time to adjust, go back to work, and uh, get some guys healthy. Obviously, um, with our center, it's going to be like Chase Evans last week. Um, he's going to be probably not practice all week, be a game time, but he'll be toughening it out and play in, in Coggle. So, um, then Tice, um, probably out for the foreseeable future. And don't expect Isaiah this week. So hopefully, like I said, get some guys healthy, get back to work, fix the fix the things that went wrong and adjust. And uh got a big one um on Saturday. It's a blackout to cancer. So expect black jerseys. Can't wait for it. Yeah, hopefully we can expect a big crowd again. Yeah, it's just tearing this tearing this game out and looking forward. Uh you're right. It's just, you know, knowing what the season could have been to the point of running the table that, uh, that you know, it wasn't going to be easy. And you mentioned some of the injuries that you know, we can eye that bye week when it comes, obviously, after this game. But that's just a vital with getting guys healthy for that big game and moving forward because we want to keep putting ourselves in good position or good playoff position, obviously, for good seating and all that jazz. We talked about Selection Sunday is really fun when it comes to the end of the year. So no more stinkers. Looking forward to it to discuss the Panthers on Friday. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. As always, see you on Friday. Go dogs.